Hello, and welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. I'm Dan Reed. I want to invite you to follow me on social media. I have on the blog, www.culinarylibertarian.com, a social media tab near the top, and click on that, and you'll find hyperlinks to my social media sites. You can also follow me and support me on Patreon, which has a link on the blog, as well as a few other ways to support the show and the blog. Uh, and lastly, you can send me an email at dan, D-A-N-N, at culinarylibertarian.com. So, today I want to talk about biscuits. Biscuits, from a baker's standpoint, are one of the best ways for bakers, young bakers in skill, not age, to learn about dough, to learn about proper measuring or scaling using a scale of ingredients and also about technique and procedure. In the South, even though I am by birth a Yankee from Michigan uh, and have lived the last 30 or so years, well, is that true? Yeah, roughly. In Florida, the South it takes great pride in their biscuit making, and for pretty good reason. They're really, really good. Uh, but a good biscuit can be made anywhere, and the way biscuits are made is what separates them as a baked good from, say, cakes or cookies or muffins. The kinds of biscuits we can make vary greatly. The most popular dishes with Biscuits are probably, at least in the South, biscuits with sausage and gravy. Uh, and that's, well, it's just a spectacular meal for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It's just worth knowing how to do. Uh, if you're in a bit of a hurry, there's a thing called the drop biscuit, also baking powder biscuits, uh, buttermilk biscuits, and kind of a surprise entry in the biscuit class is pie dough. Yeah, it doesn't look like a biscuit, but when we take a look at how a biscuit is made, what the techniques are, what the, well, method is for making a biscuit, uh, a pie dough is fundamentally a biscuit. It's just much, much thinner. So when we talk about making biscuits, what we want to do instead of the creaming method, which we talked about before, which is in the mixer, creaming the butter and the sugar. The biscuit method is, I use my hands. It is possible to use uh, a pastry blade for a, a Roboku or a um, food processor. Uh, it's also possible to use the paddle attachment on a KitchenAid mixer. Uh, and in fact, when I make pie dough, that's that that's how I do it. I start in the in the mixer with the paddle attachment uh, and mix the flour, all the dry ingredients, uh, with the fats. Uh, in the case of pie dough, the fat I use is exclusively butter. Uh, depending on what kind of biscuits I'm going to make, uh, I might mix butter and lard. But the lard has a higher melting point than the butter, but so that's going to give me uh, a different level of richness to the biscuit. Uh, the butter, well, it's butter. What more do you want? So the how is 
Once all of the ingredients are scaled, you will find some cooks, cookbooks or chefs or writers tell you make everything cold. I don't necessarily do that with the flour and the salt and the sugar, but I definitely do that with the fat. Uh, in the case of butter, uh, at least the refrigerator, possibly the freezer. Uh, in the case of lard, certainly just the refrigerator. Uh, recipes will read, cut them, cut the pieces of butter or cut the butter into pieces that are small. Well, what does that mean? So roughly a square, the size of your pinky fingernail is about as big as I want them to be, which is pretty small. And the reason for that is the more pieces of butter I have in the dough, it's going to end up being a little bit less work for me to make the big pieces small pieces, but it's also going to uh, accept the flour. Uh, what does that mean, accept the flour? Well, the main difference in process is the flour is being mixed in to the fat, uh, whereas the fat before was being mixed with the sugar. We don't want to punch holes in the fat. We want to make long sheets of the fat and put the flour into that. So we can do that in the food processor. We can do that in the mixing bowl or in a stainless steel bowl. Um, some people prefer, and grandma maybe used, a pastry blade, which was a funky-looking five- or six-tined curved tool that didn't really seem to have any use. Well, its use was to cut fat into flour. Uh, I use my hands. Uh, most people will say don't do that because the heat from your hands will melt the butter. Uh, for the amount of time my hands are in contact with the biscuit dough, I don't think I'm losing very much. Um, once the butter pieces have been thoroughly mixed, and so I'm putting my hands in the dough and just putting my fingers down into the bowl and pulling up the flour butter mix and rubbing my fingers onto the palms of my hands. And it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some force because that butter's cold and it doesn't really wanna move. And the whole idea is to work the pieces of butter into smaller pieces of butter. We don't mind, in fact, we sort of prefer having some bits of butter left in the dough. When they melt, that's gonna give us those nice little pockets uh, and add to the richness of the whole thing. And so that's actually something we need to have. The flour and butter have been mixed. Now, the thing to do is add the liquid portion. Depending on the kind of biscuit you're making, and there can be lots of varieties, uh, buttermilk is one of the more popular ones, uh, more popular liquids, uh, and I like it because it has a good flavor. Uh, I also like it because the acid in buttermilk, and if you've ever tasted it, it's actually, you know, pretty good. Uh, it has a bit of an acidic taste to it. That acid is going to work with the baking soda to help give rise. Uh, the other part of the rise from baking soda and baking powder comes from the presence of heat in the oven. And we use those chemical leaveners in things that are called quick breads, which certainly biscuits would be, muffins would be. Uh, in the new version of pound cakes, that would be a quick bread. And there are a couple of other ones, of course, because, oh, scones. Scones would be a quick bread. So the flour and butter are mixed together. We're adding the liquid. Possibly there would be eggs, but not in all cases. Um, 
now. The, the trick is uh, I do it in the, in the bowl because it's easier to contain the mess that's going to be made. Some cookbook authors will tell you to do it on the counter. That's entirely up to you. The flour is going to absorb the liquid. That's the hydration part. And that's the thing that we want to have happen in any baked good that we're making. We want the flour to absorb the water, the wet. Uh, as that starts to happen, it's going to get pretty sticky. And we're back to that sticky dough problem that drives some cooks and bakers just over the edge. There's nothing you can do about that except know that what you're going to pull out of the oven in a few minutes is well worth whatever minor discomfort sticky doughy hands might cause. One of the things I find very valuable to have happen as a practice with the single exception of drop biscuits is to make the dough in the bowl, put it on the counter and finish kneading it. Now, we don't really, this is a, a I think an area where you're going to get some very strong opinions and they won't all agree and we're not looking for consensus. What grandma did is what grandma did and she was fine. We love grandma very, very much. If grandma says don't do that, then don't do that. What I tend to do is finish kneading the, working the dough, kneading is the wrong word, working the dough on the counter so that um, I'm putting my hand on the dough and pushing down and away so that I'm smearing some more of the butter into the flour and with the buttermilk to form even longer sheets of the butter and also it helps work the rest of the dough together so the little fragmenty dry bits on the edge can all become part of the dough and you'll see as you start working this way the the dough the biscuit the pie dough the scones are all going to come together and now you have a nice dough so the only thing is drop biscuits don't get that work but everything else does. And I've discovered for my own self at home, I will roll sort of the buttermilk biscuits, roll them flat, and then fold them as if folding a letter. So if you're using flour on your counter and flour on top of the biscuit dough so that the rolling pin doesn't stick, that's, that's a good idea. That's a fine plan. If there's extra, take a special pastry brush used only for flour. Brush off the extra because we don't want more flour than we have to have inside of our biscuit. Fold your biscuit in thirds and roll it again. Now, I would stop with one, one rolling and roll it back out to the size you need. So, question is, what is the size I need? The cookbooks aren't going to tell you, roll to three-eighths of an inch, and there's no real reason to have a tape measure at the ready to find out if your biscuit is three-eighths of an inch, and if it's not, you have somehow failed. Well, that's just not true. This is your biscuit. This is what you're eating. The differences in the size of the biscuit translate into a longer or a shorter baking time. And this is where cookbook writers, authors, will not account for some difference. Uh, and I, I sort of have a personal issue with the recipe being gospel. Now, as far as procedure goes, absolutely, procedure is very important. But making sure that your biscuit matches the exact dimensions of 16 by 18 on the cutting board and you've got to roll it to this thinness, I personally find that silliness. That's, that's 
Not necessary. But what is necessary to understand is if you make the biscuits thicker as a dough, it's going to take longer for them to bake. So two things can happen. You either would accept a nicely deep brown top or maybe lower the temperature a few degrees and bake them a little bit longer to get what you want. These are common sense things that may not appear as common sense because the recipe didn't say so. And a lot of certainly cooks who are bakers or cooks who bake who aren't bakers will the smart people turn stupid when <laughs> the recipe didn't say. Well, yeah, fair enough. The recipe didn't say, but we don't have to be chained to words on the page as long as we understand what can happen and what needs to happen if things don't match exactly. And quite honestly, they almost never do match exactly. And that's one of the things, the mismatch of exactitude between what people make and what the book says causes, I think, a lot of the frustration in people who are part-time bakers who say, I can't bake. Well, it's not that you can't. It's because the people writing the books aren't accounting for some differences and you feel like you can't because you didn't match what they said. And well, it's, that's, that's okay. We can fix these problems. One of the interesting things to do when you have some skill, which is easy to attain, make biscuits next Sunday and you've got the skills. Biscuits for Sunday brunch are delicious, but there's things we can add. We can add scallions, sliced nice and thin, chives, fresh thyme. Herbs are always welcome. Uh, things like cheese, Parmesan cheese, cheddar cheese. Um, you can add cream cheese, but we're going to get into, we're not going to talk today about what happens if you start adding extra fatty, extra wet things. I will share a quick story. Way back a thousand years ago when I was in culinary school, the baking instructor uh, had these ripe bananas and was going to invent something with them. And he had a, it was a he, his name was Larry Gordon, and he was actually a spectacularly competent baker. But he lost his mind for a minute and forgot that adding cream cheese and the bananas was adding a whole lot more liquid in the form of fat that he didn't account for. So they didn't rise, but they tasted amazing. But from an aesthetic standpoint, they weren't really something that the school, which had a bakery on site on campus, they couldn't sell them. So everyone makes mistakes. It's an edible mistake. It's not the end of the world. It is just one of these things that we have to learn from. So things like cheddar cheese are fine. Parmesan cheese, spectacular. Ricotta cheese, I like it. I don't think it's the first good choice for a biscuit. Or cream cheese, which is a better first choice for a biscuit, but that requires some accounting for the extra liquid. So let's avoid that for right now. Flavors, spices, herbs, go crazy with those things. Uh, and then we can do something as the way of garnishing on top. Now a basic biscuit, uh, whether you're doing drop biscuits would be hard to egg wash, but I would try to maybe um, either use milk or if you have half and half your cream, brush a little or dab a little on top because as that bakes, 
it's going to give an even extra beautiful golden brown color to the to the biscuit and it does add a little bit to flavor um, biscuits can be either egg washed or milk washed sometimes some little kosher salt or pretzel salt on top sometimes fresh herbs on top I would go away from dry herbs on top of anything as a garnish because all they're really going to do is burn and then that's not happiness, that's just yuck. Um, I would all step back one second and say seeds, sesame seeds, poppy seeds. Uh, if you had like uh, garlic powder, that's a possibility, but there, there was the risk that the garlic powder would burn. Sesame seeds, poppy seeds are not going to burn. They're going to add a nice uh, color and a nice aesthetic uh, and flavor to your biscuit. We have these biscuits. Our dough is on the counter. What do we do with them? Well, nearly every biscuit you've ever seen and I've ever seen is round. And there's actually a reason for that. The reason is that the round surface is going to give a better exposure in the heat and a better rise to the biscuit. Uh, I typically cut mine with a sharp knife and I cut them square because I don't want to deal with the leftovers and re-roll. However, if you want the fluffiest possible biscuit you can make, then a round cutter is the way to go. Straight-sided probably is better than the fluted side. I don't have any information one way or the other about what's better. However, I do have this. When you cut a biscuit, even if you're using a glass, a tuna can, a juice can, or an actual cutter, straight down, please. No spinning, twisting, cutting, because what that's doing is as you're spinning, twisting, cutting the cutter, pushing down, you're actually smearing the butter onto the outside, what will become the outside of the biscuit, and that's going to, the butter isn't the problem, you're spreading also the flour, and the flour is going to bake into uh, the, the crustiness that's going to impede a nice high rise. So, straight down please, then pull the cutter out. Now, the other item of contention is how are biscuits baked on the pan touching or not touching uh it is it has it, it is my and has been my experience in the south that biscuits must touch and if they don't touch no matter how beautiful they are you will find a couple of old ladies in the south who will insist as beautiful as that baked good is it's not a biscuit they won't volunteer what it is because it may be nameless but it's not a biscuit for those people, the biscuits have to touch. The reason the biscuits have to touch is it forces a higher rise to the biscuits. If they can't spread out, they have only one less, one place left to go, and that's up. So I must admit, I don't always make mine touch. I put them a wee bit away from each other so they can spread a little bit. But that's just my own personal preference. So uh, the biscuit police, well, they're just going to have to find something else to do. So the re-roll, if we are going to cut them round, and there's no reason not to cut them round, uh, except for the re-roll, the re-roll actually is something we can use. Now, it is possible to roll them together and, and make another biscuit or take what's left and smash it all together and make it as one big chunk. Uh, my suggestion is cut 
the biscuits as closely together as possible to avoid any more trim than you actually have to have. Then whatever's left uh, can be baked and you've got this funky looking biscuit for tomorrow's breakfast with some bacon and some eggs and some jam. Or once it's fully baked, biscuits are actually a spectacular thickening agent for soups. Because it has all that flavor. It's got the extra butter. It's kind of like a already baked roux. So it's going to make your soup nice and thick. It's going to have a really nice texture to it. Because all the flour is sort of half cooked out already. So it's going to thicken. But you get just, a, a, wow, what a nice, good texture, a great flavor. Uh, and from the round part, a nice caramel flavor into your into your soup. So that's another possibility. Or bake them uh, as scraps and that's the baker's treat because it really is pretty darn good and you've done the work so you get the reward all right so that is the quick down and dirty about biscuits i'm going to have a link up on the blog for this episode what i think is happening is i'm not able to put hyperlinks on the page for the podcast hosting. This is a technical thing that is beyond my wee technical skills, but I have a workaround. And so the workaround is that I will post the episodes uh, as additionally on the blog and click on the hyperlink for that episode. And there will be the description as well as uh, show notes and uh, links to some of the things we talked about. And I'm going to put a couple of, well, at least one book, maybe two, uh, on biscuits. There isn't a whole lot there, but uh, I have a few things I want to share with you. And th at least this way, we'll have a way to keep you informed and knowledgeable about what to bake and how to do it. And practice the pie dough once. There is a recipe on the blog for pie dough, and it's worth going through and learning how to do because holiday pie time is nigh. And get that skill down and make the best apple pie anybody ever had in the whole wide world, and you'll be the star of the holidays. And, you know, who doesn't want to be the star of the holidays? All right, that's it for today. Thank you very much. I'll see you on the next episode.